We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always my co-host Nick Filato. And we are 24 hours away from the NFL draft kicking off the 2023 NFL draft. We're in the final witching hours, as Scott Hansen likes to talk about on NFL Red Zone. And we figured with a few hours left to go, let's do a final podcast, kind of wrapping up where we're at the 25th overall pick, what we think is going to happen one through 24, what we want to happen one through 24, different scenarios for day one for the Giants. And then also kind of touching on something that we didn't really get an opportunity to do in the pre-draft process that we wanted to, which is go over the top 30 visits the Giants had. And then also we'll discuss some rumors and some reports from a collection of sources. I believe Tony Pauline is part of it. Uh, Jordan Ronan. Now, when we get to them, I'll preface it because I don't really buy into much of what we're reading now as far as who the Giants are interested or not interested in, but it's worth going over anyway. You never know. Sometimes they can get them right. And even if they're not actual, you know, leaks and just fake leaks, well, it's fun to talk about anyway, right, Nick? So we'll wrap up today by doing some more of your podcast, or I'm sorry, your mock draft reviews. We'll grade those mocks, those final mocks that we got in, and then we'll just sign off until the draft night because... We're almost here, Nick. So how are you doing, man? I'm doing excellent. I'm really ready for this NFL draft to happen. Been studying a bunch of guys throughout the last several months, and I'm just looking forward to seeing the path that Joe Shane takes. And dude, honestly, sitting here at pick 25, is just so much different than anything that we've experienced since we both, I think, been covering the team professionally. Maybe you covered them back in 2017 when they picked in the early 20s and selected Evan Ingram out of Ole Miss. But for me, we've had these top 10 picks basically every season, except for the one year where we had pick 11, where the Giants almost made the playoffs in one of the worst divisions we have seen. So picking at 25 is much more unpredictable. And uh, I think it's a, a little bit more exciting too. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I was there for 2017. I covered the Giants for 24-7 sports when they took Ingram, which was a surprise pick. So, I mean, yeah. don't be surprised the Giants make another surprise pick. That was a traits-based surprise pick by the Giants, Evan Ingram. Um, and that gets me to my segment we're going to do before any of that, which is uh, a listener, Max, asked to get the insight on what the Schneier family is thinking for the draft. So I tapped into Ron Schneier and Matt Schneier, my father and brother, to get their takes on the draft. They're avid listeners of Big Blue Banter, avid fans of the Giants, obviously. Big time readers of BBI for anyone on there. They're on there all the time. Um, 
So I asked them what they want to do. Now, let me preface it. We'll do Ron first, my pops. Let me preface it by giving you an idea of who Ron is. So in the 2014 draft, he was gung-ho on Aaron Donald being the Giants pick over Odell Beckham Jr. That was when he started to say, look, I'm starting to see a trend with this team, with this drafter, Jerry Reese, and we are building way too much outside in. Too many wide receiver picks in rounds two and three, General Jernigan, Mario Manningham. The, the list goes on and on of those players that they use there. And not enough trenches. And then in 2017, actually, he was gung-ho on the Giants should draft Ryan Ramchick, the offensive tackle out of Wisconsin, who fell all the way to the back end around uh, round one, has been one of the best right tackles in the NFL since then. In that five year, you know, five, six years been from a consistency standpoint, probably one of the best right tackles in the NFL. I'd say up there with the top five. So he was right on that one. He was right on Donald, I think, too, because Beckham's off the team. Beckham was exciting for a while, but Donald would have been, you know, still on the team, potentially dominating like he is with the Rams. So he is an inside-out drafter. He wants to build out the trenches. That's something that's always important to him, not as focused on receivers. So Ron Schneier, my dad, has given us a multi-round mock draft, Nick. Here we go. You can grade his mock like we've been doing for other Yeah, Okay, people. I love it. All right. In first round, he said, I'm confident that Miles Murphy will drop to us, and that's going to be my favorite pick. That's the pick. In the second round, Tyreek Stevenson, the corner out of Miami. In the third round, Jartavius Martin, the safety corner out of Illinois. And then he has his favorite guy coming in round five, so I'm not going to get to that. But he said a little – he was struggling with round four, but he finally came around to it. It would be either Olu, the center from Michigan, or Stromberg, the center from Arkansas. So now we've got okay. Miles Murphy. He built the trenches in round one. Tyreek Stevenson, the corner in round two. Jertavis Martin, corner safety in round, round three. A lot of secondary help, a lot of defense. And then, an, and then an offensive lineman, round four. And then his favorite sleeper in round five. You know who his favorite sleeper is? This was surprised the hell out of me. And he said it was based on how, how this is a traits-based pick. You're never going to get this, by the way. We haven't talked about him at all, really, except for one what person position? put him in their mock draft. Wide receiver. We, and a we wide still receiver. haven't talked about him at all, except for one mention. Somebody put him in a mock draft. He loved the way, according to my dad, I had a phone call with him yesterday. He loved the way he moved in the, in the combine drills, and he thought his movement skills were really good. Okay, so a wide receiver with very good movement skills. No, it's not. It's a. So. It's not Landers, is it? It's Landers. He's yeah. Landers is his guy in this draft in the round right. five. He loves Landers. That's like his favorite guy in this whole draft. So Landers is his fifth round pick. So we got a mock draft. We come out of this thing with some secondary help. Miles Murphy in round one. His you want to know Landers. something funny, then? And I don't yeah. mean to cut you off, but it relates to curb your enthusiasm. Uh -huh. I feel like me getting Landers there which was completely organic. Was Your tough. reaction was not commensurate with the <laughs> landing landers. You just kind of glossed over it after building up how I wasn't going to get it. <laughs> I stuck the freaking landing you and then you, you just glossed right over it. <laughs> so, you know, this is a Larry David moment for the two of us, but I believe it's, uh, it's, it's real. Fair. That's totally fair. I did gloss over that for no reason. I should have given you a lot more credit. It's pretty hard to get. Uh, so Landers, now my brother, his mock is going to be a little bit different. And a funny thing my brother did send me in addition to his mock was a video his friend sent of him, which I don't know okay. if you wanted me to put this on air, but I will. And it's just my brother in his apartment, head down, and it's from 2018. And my, his friend took a secret video of him after the Barkley pick, and he just loses his mind there for a quick second. And he's like, hate being a fan of this franchise. I can't believe it. We're never going to sell it. It's just excellent, excellent reaction there from him on the Barkley pick. I didn't have that same reaction, Nick, because I wasn't surprised. I knew Dave Gettleman was the type of guy who would do that. So it didn't really surprise me. If there was more surprise, I would have been just as devastated. 
And look, it's not a good pick. Anyone was like, oh, look, it's a great pick now. Barkley's been great. Well, then why haven't we re-signed him yet, right? Like, it was such a good pick. We would have already re-signed him to this multi-year deal and given him any amount of money we wanted. But obviously, the point of why it wasn't a good pick was because what do you do after the rookie contract? That's the conundrum of the whole pick. And it's also, um, you you select a running back at second overall, you're already paying them top, like, five right. running back money. Like, that's just from a from a monetary standpoint, foolish. Yeah, you're basically paying him at the ceiling, which is it's, it's an insane thing to do. Before the guy's ever played a snap, you pay him the ceiling of the position, right? It's insanity. Plus, then you can consider trading back when you can pick up so much draft capital moving from two to whatever. Like, look at what the, the Bears sucked, picked up yeah. from one. To I was one. upset anyway, about it. And I was like watching with like friends. And they were like, dude, he's great, though. I'm like, I know he's great. That's not the point. And I had it to explain was, it. It was the funniest thing of how many conversations I had pre yeah. and post draft, Nick, with just more casual fans who just couldn't understand why I wouldn't be so why we wouldn't be so insanely excited about Barkley. Because how exciting of a player he is. But obviously, it's not it's not something that we could get excited about. And then my brother, he's he what he's going to do is trade back to 31. He says, I can trade back with the Chiefs. The Chiefs are going to want Dalton Kincaid there or one of the receivers who falls to be a weapon. I understand. That. I think that's fair. And, and he said, or an offensive tackle, because they might need to look into rebuilding offensive tackle soon. He said, once I trade back to 31, I'm going to take Brian Breesey or Adabare, whoever is there. He wants to also build the trenches out. And then in round two, he takes, this is his favorite player in this draft. Another player we haven't discussed a lot, but he loves this guy. Jonathan Mingo, the receiver at Ole Miss. Yeah. So okay. So we only get two from him. Yeah. yeah no, only Mingo. two. Only two. He's a two round mock kind of guy. Okay. Two round mock kind of guy. Get Brezzy and Mingo. Mingo's a big body wide receiver. Wasn't all that productive with Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, but it's plausible that his best football is still ahead of him and you can get more out of him. And he's another one, dude, when he opens up his stride, like he, he can pick up some steam, bro. And he can accelerate. It's not a lot of big body receivers in this draft. You got Cedric Tillman. You got Jonathan Mingo. You got A.T. Perry. Those are your guys who are being discussed in like the first two days of the draft in terms of just being big body wide receivers. Beyond that, you're looking at like the Matt Landers of the world. You're looking right. at day three type of dudes. So if you want one of those big body guys and Rashi Rice, you can put him in there. I think Rashi Rice, I think he's only like six foot. I don't he's have his measurement. But like when you watch him, to he me, he looks like, yeah, he looks like a much bigger receiver out there. But we've been talking about this a lot, man. This is the draft of the Josh Downs, the Zay Flowers, the draft of the small guy, man. The Mighty Mouse is out there. Yeah, Mighty Mighty Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, those are the mock drafts from the Schneier, bro- from the Schneier family. Our, obviously, we've done ours here, Nick. So let's get into some of this draft talk. We can, we can wrap this thing up by doing uh, where we're at with the draft. Let's first get into some some rumors. And I want to start with the rumors from Jordan. This I think it's a collection of what somebody put out on, on Reddit, which is a collection of Jordan Ronan uh, posting what his sources are saying, I guess. Uh, I know he wasn't clear on that. And then I think there's a couple stuff in here from Tony Pauline. Now, let me let me preface this by saying this. All of this information on who the Giants are interested in is coming out in this window that we're in right now, which is seven days before the draft, I have interviewed a former NFL head coach uh, for something completely different. And he said, con- confirmed it without it, without a shadow of the doubt, the teams are purposely leaking misinformation in this period before the draft. He says, there are also some times where there are real leaks. And he said during that draft, which everyone remembers the Eli Apple draft, of the giants, 2014, there was a leak in the giants front office at the time that they were interested in Leonard Floyd. And things happen in that draft, a trade up because of that leak. So some of these information that Jordan Rana might be getting or whoever it is, Tony Paul might be true, but some of it may not be true. It's a guessing game at this point. So I don't put much stock in it, but I think it's fun to talk about. So according to these sources, according to mostly from Ron on a little bit from Pauline, 
One, the Giants really like Flowers, Zay Flowers and Addison, and think they can fit in the offense. So let's start with that one. Thoughts on that? Oh, that doesn't surprise me whatsoever. I mean, if you told me right now, yo, one of those two are going to be the pick, I'd be like, yeah. I mean, I think if the Giants are sitting at 25 and they're still available, depending on what happened in the first 24 picks, I think the Giants would love coming away with one of those two receivers. I feel the same way as you, Nick. I don't know if I would love coming away with Addison as much as I would love coming away with Flowers. And really, I wouldn't love coming away with either, to be completely honest. I would just like it. I, like I was it. high on higher on Flowers to begin the process. I'm just at the point now where I'm like, eh, do I need a gamble at wide receiver in first round of this class, like at 5'9", 180, or at six foot 173, what Addison is? Or do I just wait? I just wait for next year's class and, and improve the rest of my roster. I'm just like not as into it as I'm as much as I was. I still believe in flowers, but at five, nine, one eighty four, it's not like, Oh my God, I got to get this five, nine, one eighty four receiver. I understand that. And I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Usually the receivers are gone by pick 25, like some of the top receivers in a given draft class, this sure. draft class, the receiving options aren't all that great. It's not like the previous classes. So maybe the giants are looking at this at pick 25. They're like, yo, look, we rectified our run defense. Now we need to fix our ability to generate explosive plays on offense. We added Darren Waller. That will help. But our wide receiver position, there's really nothing certain from a long-term standpoint. You have Wondell Robinson's the only one under contract beyond 2024. You have Darius Slayton, who's under contract next season. Everyone else is on these one-year deals. So you really need to focus on the wide receiver position. I think this is what they're thinking, at least. And you can find players who fit your offense very well, who can create separation at all three levels of the field. And I think Zay Flowers does that particularly well. Why not invest the 25th pick in that position group, in that specific player to help your offense in 2023 when you think you're going to be a competitive football team in a weak NFC? Yeah, I can see it. I think the potential downfall or pitfall you put yourself in if you go with a wide receiver that's small here at 25, like Flowers or Addison, is that you've now invested a first-round pick in the 2021 draft, which I guess you got back a third, which you turned into Waller, but still, skill position, skill position. You invested a second-round pick, 44 overall, in the in the draft after that, 22, and then you invest the 25th overall pick in three straight years. Are you really going to be able to take a wide receiver again with your first-round pick next year? And if we get to next year and the Giants don't win a playoff game and aren't picking 25, they're picking closer to the 18th range or who knows where they could be picking. There could potentially be some kind of six foot, 200 pound wide receiver in that class who has the same kind of great film as these dudes and has same kind of interest, but he's also six foot one or six foot and 200 pounds or 205. And at that point, I think I'd just rather have that player. And I don't know if I'm going to want, want to take that player again after going three straight drafts of going first round wide receiver, early second round wide receiver, and then first round wide receiver again. I wonder if the Giants, if that were to happen, if the Giants would go the Howie Roseman route where you're investing in wide receivers and they, they're just striking out like J.J. Ortega-Whiteside right. and Jalen Rager, obviously, over Justin Jefferson. How crazy. So they're just like, we're just going to trade our first-round pick and get A.J. Brown if it were to get to that point True. next year, if that does happen, if Zay Flowers ends up sucking this year, which I don't envision if the Giants go in that direction. And I also don't know if the Giants are looking at it. Actually, I doubt the Giants are looking at it from the standpoint of like, well, next year we might want a wide receiver in the first round. You know, they're looking at it like, how do we formulate the best roster moving forward, but also for the 2023 season? And does this player fit into our culture and fit into what we want to do? And I think Addison and Flowers both fit into those two buckets. Yeah, I would agree with that too. And at some point though, when you start just pounding the pounding your premium assets at wide receiver, you're just there's a ton of opportunity costs. Like, how do you plan to build out a great O line? How do you plan to build out a great D line? How do you plan to procure it out, build out a great secondary? It becomes a lot harder when your premium assets are all going to one position. So, just something to think about there. The next rumor is that the Giants are really high on Jonathan Mingo, and he's a sleeper to go at at 25, um, but they still view him as more of a second round option. 
Sleeper to go at 25. That would be rich. I think I've seen, I can't remember who it was. Somebody mocked him at the back end of the first round, like maybe a couple weeks ago, like a prominent draft. Man. But at him at 25, like there are a couple of dark horses at 25, like the second round guys, like Marvin Mims. Would he be a selection at 25? If a lot of those wide receivers are off the board, I don't know. I think, yes, you would say he's a second round guy, but hell, the guy creates explosive plays. He played in a crappy offense. He could track the football, has good hand-eye coordination. There's a lot to love about Marvin Mims. 25 is very rich, but I would also argue that 25 is rich for Jonathan Mingo. If you make that selection, you're saying, hey, what he showed on his tape in college, we can get more out of him. And that's what you're hoping for, because I don't even think Jonathan Mingo had a thousand yard season at Ole Miss. Right. Yeah. Jonathan Mingo is a big projection. I'm not, I'm not particularly super high on him, but I do like the idea at least of him having prototypical size and speed combination, um, less of a smaller receiver. The next one is one that's kind of exciting for me. If true, the giants are apparently very interested in North Dakota state offensive tackle, though. I think again, he could kick inside the center or guard and that's Cody mock. Well, think about it, man. We, we talk a lot about these guards and how it seems like the Giants, and I don't think this means they're not going to be interested in Steve Avila from TS or TCU or Florida's uh, Osiris Torrance, but they like these guys who are really light on their feet. Cody Mock is very light on his feet. He projects well to the inside. He's good upper body strength. You know, he's, I think, uh, as a run blocker, it makes a ton of sense. I would love to see him, you know, power gap doing what Josh Azu do, doing what the guards were doing last year, along with Mark Lewinsky. I think he would fit in well. But pass protection is another issue with Cody Malk. Now, playing inside, it's not going to be as glaring of an issue as playing at tackle, say. But pass protecting against NFL-type guys, when you were coming from the North Dakota State level in the North Dakota State offense, that's a huge jump. So that's one thing that I'll say gives me a little bit of pause with Cody Malk. But if we're talking about the second round and you believe in his ability to be coached up to play pass protection, then that's a solid pick right there. And that will hopefully be your right guard of the future. Or potentially center. They might More move center. Him to center. I mean, yeah. He had some snaps there. I agree, though. Probably better fit at guard. But I don't know. I think potentially center. Um, a, another part of these rumors is that the Giants apparently have three centers tr uh, tr of the traditional centers they really like. And it's Joe Tittman, John Michael Schmitz, and Ricky Stromberg. The, the rumor also says a center in the first round is unlikely. Yeah, that's something that we've been kind of pounding for the last couple of weeks. That makes sense to me. You can wait more than likely to pick 57 if you want to invest in a Tittman or John Michael Schmitz or wait until even later to get a Ricky Stromberg just because you look at like Creed Humphrey a couple of years ago. And yes, the draft was deeper. He fell to the second round. I don't remember exactly what pick it was, but it was in like the 50s. And Creed Humphrey, to me, is a much better prospect than John Michael Schmitz and Joe Tittman, although I do like both of those centers respectively. Yeah, and it's interesting to me because one, we've already seen them put a ton of in, a ton of resources into both Tittman and John Michael Schmitz. It'll kind of come down, I think, to will the positional coaches win out with Joe Shane in the war room, right? Because, you know, there was a good article from Pat Leonard yesterday um, about the Giants interest in John Michael Schmitz and Bobby Johnson took him out to dinner and then, you know, had him go over a ton of calls, even gave him a tackle call just to kind of trick him up and, and, and uh, you know you know, get him like, get his brain moving. And he was like, from the mental side, this dude is, is cause he said like, if we're going to invest a first round pick in the article, they, they, they said the thinking is if they're going to invest the first round pick at center or any kind of high pick at center, they've got to be able to have the mental side of the game down immediately. Um, and so he put him through that test and he passed with flying colors. That was John Michael Schmitz, by the way. Um, we also saw obviously the work that he did with Joe Tittman at his pro day. And that's Bobby Johnson, giants, O line coach. I think it's interesting when it comes to traditional center versus the Cody mock types who they're interested in um, when it comes to just, you know, what are they interested in that disposition? Are they interested in movement skills like we assume them to be and how much they value what they've taken from the past, which is Joe Shane worked with Brandon Bean in Buffalo and 
like uh, like Cy said on our podcast, David Cyberson, for from our lads for when we had him on the podcast, he's like, look, that whole Buffalo offensive line is converted players, essentially like players who played another position that are the least interior offensive line who converted inside. I mean, he signed Mitch Morse when Joe Shane was there, Brandon Bean signed Mitch Morse to a four year, $44 million deal to come play center. And that dude was a tackle in college. So it's just so interesting to me to see what direction the giants actually go. And Joe Shane goes with, with one, do they value the movement skills? Like we think they do on the interior offensive line. And two, how much do they value the idea of converting someone from the outside at tackle to one of the interior positions? I can easily see that happening. I mean, they talk so much about versatility. Even right now, the discussion is, Hey, we have these three guys who don't play center on our roster, but we're comfortable with these three guys. And that was before they added a uh, Hassan hour. So now they have four guys. So I wouldn't be shocked at the giants for go selecting a center on day one. And on day two, they pass on John Michael Schmitz. If he's selected before their second round pick and Joe Tittman, and then they go in another direction a little bit later is to add depth and then roll the dice with Ben Bredesen and <laughs> Shane Lemieux and Hassan hour and whomever else. Right. And then they, they have confidence in their ability to kind of mold these guys into what they want out of center. They did it really fast with John Feliciano. I know he had a leg up because he knew the system coming from Buffalo, yeah. but it was pretty, pretty seamless transition for him. And even when Nick Gates was, was played a little bit of center last year, coming off that major injury, he looked pretty solid there too. Uh, so we'll see what happens there at center. Another rumor is that some within the organization are quote unquote very high on Michigan's Mozzie Smith, the interior defensive lineman who they think can develop into more than just a nose tackle. I like Mozzie Smith, man. He is a house and he played one tech. He played nose for them, but think about the giants base personnel package. Now that we added Raheem Nunez Roches and a Sean Robinson, and you have Leonard Williams. I mean, that's, that's going to be a nice rotation just in base. And then in the sub packages, you can get really creative depending on what the offense is trying to do to you. You add a player like Mozzie Smith to that, along with Dexter Lawrence, man, you're talking about a really dominant defensive front. You're going from having one of the crappiest defensive fronts in the league, and you still want a playoff game to a dominant defensive front. That doesn't mean the Giants are going to go in that direction, but I think there is a lot of potential with Mozzie Smith. And I get it. People watch the TCU game like, oh, Steve Avila controlled them. I wouldn't say he controlled them. I would say there were reps that Avila won, and there were certainly reps, in my opinion, from what I saw, that Mozzie Smith won. But if you watch some of the other tape throughout his uh, college career, specifically this last season, you could see the upside with a player like that, a player who can move like that at his size. Yeah, just speaking of that, like I think you know it's important to watch these guys against the best competition. Mozzie Smith had a great game against Ohio State, right? And we're talking about an Ohio State team that has a supposed top three center in this class, and Luke Whipler, who I'm not personally a huge fan of, but I know some people like him. I just feel like he, he's one of those guys when you watch him, the athleticism, he had those that great RAS score, but to me, it doesn't look the same when you're actually watching him. Like I don't see some kind of NFL next level center from an athlete standpoint. I know he's got some technical things better than some of these other centers later, but I thought Mozzie Smith had a great game against Ohio State, and that was an important. That's the most important game on Michigan's schedule. Like the college football playoff is is obviously the most important, truly. But I feel like these guys get up even more for that Ohio State Michigan game for whatever reason. Mozzie Smith's a really interesting player. I think he could be a very good value pick um, for any team that gets him late one. But I can't see him being on the board for the Giants at fifty seven. So to me, it seems highly unlikely the Giants would use. The, the 25th pick at defensive tackle after signing um, Ashawn Robinson and Nuchez Ronia uh, and uh, Nacho to play uh, defensive tackle. In addition to still Lawrence is on under uh, under contract, probably getting a new extension and Leonard Williams at this point, it's like, what's the point of cutting him? There's so much dead cap tied to cutting him because of how Dave structured that deal that there's literally almost no point unless they're just, they're competing for this year. They can't really afford to cut a player like that just to create a little bit of cap space. So I think more than likely, if they're going to do anything with that contract, it's an extension. 
uh, to lower the cap hit. So, yeah, Mozzie Smith, interesting player. Just doubt it happens. Uh, apparently, the Giants also have a lot of interest in Appalachian State cornerback Stephen Jones Jr. I don't really know much about Stephen Jones Jr., but I might have to watch him now. Yeah, <laughs> you put too. that on my radar. Also, I mean, it's Wednesday before the draft, Nick. Don't worry about it. If they draft him, let's watch him. Don't don't watch him. <laughs> uh, enough. Uh, keep an eye. So let's also keep an eye on Cincinnati wide receivers Tyler Scott and Trey Tucker. Uh, so Tyler Scott, actually, this is the second time I've seen mention of Scott being tied to the Giants because Tony Pauline is, and this might have originally come from Pauline and Jordan Ron and might have just spoke with Pauline and took it. I don't really know where he's basing this off of, but it's not like he's, like, giving out like each pick with, like, and my source was this or my source, whatever. So, yeah. Tyler Scott, though, I am super excited to hear this interest because, you know, I, I put him on my My Guys show two days ago on offense. He's one of my favorite wide receiver buys in this class. I see so much upside with a player like Tyler Scott. I just love what he can potentially be at the NFL level, and I would be so excited if the Giants got him in round two. I'm telling you, man, in like 24 hours, a little bit more than 24 hours, depending on when you're listening to this, if the Giants don't go wide receiver at pick number 25, which I kind of somewhat expect them to, we're going to be talking a lot about Travis Scott. We're going to be talking a lot Tyler about Scott, Tyler, Scott. Tyler Scott. I was like, wait, I just said a rapper's name. Yeah. yeah. We're going to be talking a lot about Tyler Scott. We're going to be talking a lot about Marvin Mims and those second round guys. It's funny because I was on a podcast two days ago for CBS Sports or yesterday, and I got kept getting Tyler Scott's name wrong too. I kept calling him. I think it was Trey Scott or something like that. So I was confusing him with Trey, Trey Tucker. Tucker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> apparently the Giants are also interested in Tyler Scott and Trey Tucker. He's another speed guy. You know, speed yep. guy from the same offense, a little bit smaller than Scott. But uh, yeah, I, I have watched Cincinnati's offense and Tyler Scott really popped out to me, but I kept seeing Trey Tucker out there too, making making plays, buddy. <laughs> oh man, poor Daniel Jones is literally going to be throwing to like, I don't even know, two two T-Rex arms out there with him and Wandell Robinson. Because there's like yeah, the very Oompa limited. Yeah, yeah, really good. Um, all right, let's wrap up the show actually with the top 30 vids. So before we do that, let's talk about what we, you know, said we would in the title of the show. We don't want to bury it too far to the end of the show. And that is where we're at right now with the 20th pick. How are we feeling? Uh, any thoughts? What are you hoping will happen? What do you want to happen in those first 24 picks? Yeah, for me, man, I would like to get one of those cornerbacks. And I group Emmanuel Forbes in there as well. I do. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. as well. You know, I'm not as high on Joey Porter Jr. as as others. I think he's a little bit stiffer than maybe people are are kind of highlighting, but I still think him at 25 is a home run. If you're talking about a press man cornerback, I think he's sufficient enough with his man coverage ability to play it. In terms of Emmanuel Forbes, I know it's early for a 166 pounder, but like I said, man, if he was like 180, 185, which he'll more than likely never get up to, I think he's like a top 15 guy in this draft class. His tape is that good, and he can play man coverage, as we talked about on the last podcast. That narrative to me is is a bogus narrative that I see floating around Twitter. So I would be fine with corner. I think I'd be okay with with the wide receiver. I think center is a little bit early. I know Osiris Torrance is an interesting one. If the Giants were to go in that direction, they're really believing in him. I think he still can fit, you know, because he can move, but he's not the light-footed type of offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman that we've seen Joe Shane express interest in so far. So that gives me a little bit of pause, but I believe that he's a good football player. That's a name that I've seen associated with the Giants just from Giant fans. And at pick number 25, I think that's good value in terms of just the skill set. So I'm buying into what the coaching staff sees in him. And then defensive line is... I don't really know what they're going to do there after adding a that's a one year deal. So it's not like something that should preclude the giants from going deep at the line, but it's not a pressing need. And the one player though, that really pops up would be Kalijah Cansey because Kalijah Cansey, I think you make 
this selection independent of the fact that you just added Ashawn Robinson because Kalijah Kansi, if you did pick him in the first round, should not be playing in base situations anyways. Like He has a very niche and specific role for what the New York Giants Wink Martindale wants to do, and that's just like third and six, third and seven type of situations. Right. Yeah, I think that's all. I think that's all within – it's all fair, honestly. I feel like I'm on board with almost all of that. Um, I'll discuss some of those things more in depth. I would say – my best case scenario, Nick, for the first 24 picks, one through 24, I put this on Twitter. And you could tell me, but I didn't feel like any of these were incredibly far-fetched. First would be five quarterbacks go before the Giants. Now, we've already heard a ton of insiders say that they are hearing it's very likely Hendon Hooker will go on day one. That doesn't necessarily mean in the top 24. He could be drafted after the Giants at 25. But a best case scenario for me would be those five quarterbacks all go in the top 24 before the Giants pick. The second would be an offensive tackle run. Remember, we've seen runs at positions wide receiver. The reason you'll see a run at position is because teams don't want to miss out. Teams have certain guys on their board, and teams are very set at a specific position. I need to get one of these top receivers. I need to get one of these top offensive tackles in this class, so I'm going to make sure I don't miss the run. So that offensive tackle run that I'm hoping for to happen for the Giants, Nick, would include all the expected guys plus Dewan Jones, the tackle out of Ohio State, which is the non-expected guy. So that would be what? Dewan Jones, Broderick Jones, Anton Harrison, um, Paris Johnson, Darnell Wright, and what? Skaronski. If we're calling him a tackle, sure. That's fine. So six six of those guys before the Giants pick. So we got six tackles, five quarterbacks. We're at 11 picks, 13 more to go. Another ideal scenario, one through 24, would be Joe Tittman or John Michael Schmitz to go before the Giants pick. I know some people might not like that as they're one of their ideal scenarios. First, I don't care if the Giants miss on either of these players in this class. Um, so I would like that to happen. We've seen Joe Tittman minus 140 on some draft books for first round. The Seattle Seahawks have done a ton of work on him, and he really feels like a Seattle Seahawks type pick. Tittman, I don't think any team but the Giants would take John Michael Schmitz in round one. I think that's either Giants or bust there. But I'll put him in the list just in case the Seahawks or whoever have him as their center one. So that would be another ideal scenario for me, Nick. That brings us to 14 players. Another ideal scenario would be Torrance and or or Torrance and Avila both get picked before the Giants. We've seen Torrance. Some people have a top 10, top 15 grade on him. I think Cy was saying he's like one of his 10 best players in the class. I'm with you. I don't love the idea of Torrance at 25 for the Giants, so I'm okay with him going top 24 just because I don't know if they're valuing a player without the movement skills on the interior offensive line after they signed Golinski, drafted Josh Azudu, and have shown the interest they have in the centers they have during this pre-draft process. In addition to Feliciano, who did a pretty good job on the move, I thought, yes, uh, last year in the run game. So I would like to see those guys go before the Giants. Now we're up to 16 players. Then this one's the most far-fetched for me, I would say. Three tight ends. Go off the board before the Giants. That's Kincaid, Mayer, and then Musgrave or Washington sneak in because of the upside. That would bring us to what? That's 16, 19 players. So now we're really getting close. And then Bijan and Gibbs both go before the Giants pick. Yeah. So yeah. now we have. Yeah. We'd be lucky if one of those situations. I wouldn't say lucky, but we'd be happy if one of those situations. Yes. I think if any, besides the OT run, which I think will happen minus maybe Jones, I think if any of the other things happen, it's a good bet for it. I think I'd be happy if five offensive tackles came on the board for the Giants. Like that's, I don't think that's going to happen. Like that's a lot in this class. I think, well, let me think. I think Paris Johnson will come off before the Giants. Roger Jones. I think Broderick Jones will come off for the Giants. I think, though I could see teams being lower on him than the mock consensus, but I still think he will. I think 
Now, and then it gets a little tricky. Well, Skaronsky for sure. That's three. Yes. Yeah. That's um, good. Then it gets a little trickier, right? So it's like Anton Harrison. I could see some teams liking him, but I could easily see him falling to the late 20s or even day two. Yeah. Darnell Wright, I think, will come off before the Giants. I really do. He's just the film think- is too good. And especially the Will Anderson tape, which people love to talk about, even though it was only like 10 pass rushing snaps. So it's like not really the great, in my opinion, just like a wild sample size that people have made a huge deal. But I just feel like when I've watched him, he's looked pretty good over on the right side. So we definitely will get the four, I think. It's a matter of if you'll get Anton Harrison and if you'll get uh, Dewan Jones and players like that. And then you got to think about even like position groups that the Giants are interested in. A lot of those players that we're not even considering are going to be off the board. And Christian Gonzalez is Devon Witherspoon, right. ASN players like that are going to be gone too. So even if that happens and some of the things that you mentioned before that ends up materializing, and then we're looking at, you know, maybe Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, Deontay Banks, if he ends up following Brian Branch, who we haven't even brought up yet. If those players are around, like if Brian Branch is around, I'm signing up for that. And I've said this, if the Giants don't get Branch in round one, which they very well might not get Quan Martin in the second round, if he's even there. Cause I don't think Quan Martin is going to be there at 57. I think that's going to be one of those him and like Julius Brents and players like that with freak athletic ability and damn good tape. I think those players are going to go earlier than a lot of draft Knicks are expecting just because this draft class isn't all that deep. And these guys potential is just freaking through the roof. Yeah. I'll throw another name to the mix. who I think is going to go earlier than people expect Tyreek Stevenson, the corner out of Miami. Yeah. I just look at his profile, Nick, Six foot 200. There's not that many six foot 200 corners in this class outside of him, Deontay Banks, and then obviously Christian Gonzalez, who has the length you want. So the rest of these guys, like Emmanuel Forbes, outlier for size, Julius Brents doesn't have the speed, uh, doesn't have the testing speed at least, and and probably doesn't have the long speed. Um, you know, once you get to those guys, you start seeing some warts, but Tariq Stevenson's profile, six foot 200, 445, I think it was in the 40, like has all the Pretty much like when you see that kind of profile, I know those guys always end up getting. He's my sleeper to go in on day one that people aren't expecting, and I'll be like not surprised if I see if it's like the Julius Brents type of thing or, or Emmanuel Forbes or DJ Turner, any of those corners. But um, yeah, also so can't just, be talked about like Ringo too. Like Keely Ringo could go on day true. one. I know Someone his tape definitely bet on him. Yeah, I mean he's another one who's big. He's twenty years old. I I still think like flipping his hips is a little bit of a an issue, specifically when he's going horizontally. But he has the vertical speed and he has the ability to to keep up with people. Even though there were times on tape where I'm like, bro, what the hell are you doing? But I mean, yeah, I mean, Sai talked a lot about him, and I can see why a team would buy into his overall trade. So these cornerbacks, this is a deep cornerback class, and then you got like Darius Rush, whose tape was up and down in my opinion. But you're talking about a six foot two, just under six foot two, hundred ninety eight pounder with almost thirty four inch arm. Like, there's a lot to buy in there. He ran a four three six. Like, he's probably going to go higher than a lot of people expect. True. Another guy who I think is that's a great bet to go higher. You got to just look at some, some of these players and their overall profile. Um, the testing plus the film plus their size frame, because that is going to be important where, where these guys were drafted, in my opinion, at least. So for me at 25, where we're, you know, we're running out of time here as far as the drafts coming. So I have my ideal scenario. My ideal scenario, the dream is Banks, Porter or Branch fall to the Giants at 25. That's what I want. I want more than anything. I want to set. I want to match that for me. The best way to draft is to match value with need. You don't want to go too far away from BPA, but you also want to try to match it with the need. So that's really the ideal scenario. And I know GMs have talked about this as well. And so the biggest need to me by far for the Giants is the secondary. And if I draft Brian Branch, it's not that I'm just going to slot him in right as, as a safety. 
I'm going to use them all over. And where I'm the most excited about Branch is actually in the slot as their nickel corner, their immediate upgrade at nickel corner, which to me is a starting position and arguably at times the most position on important position on the defense. When I watch NFL offense to operate so heavily through the slot in the passing game and slot verts and things of that nature that need to be shut down. So those are my ideal plays, Nick. I would say after that, if none of those players are there, which I think we both expect that to be the case, though, anything could happen. That's when it starts to get interesting for me. Players like Kalijah Kansi and Adabare and Breesy, who I liked a lot before the Ashawn Robinson news, and I know it's just a one-year deal. I don't love as much now because I just feel like it's a little bit like, yeah, we can use a five-man rotation on the interior this year, Nick, but not everybody's going to get on the field in a five-man rotation. I just feel like you're burying some of the talent there to some degree. So I'm a little less interested right now in interior defensive line as I was before the Robinson signing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm there with you, I think. Um it depends on the situation. I'm right there also with uh, Deontay Banks, Joey Porter Jr. too, and then uh, Brian Branch at 25. Honestly, Emmanuel Forbes, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset by that pick. I wouldn't. I don't know if it's the ideal situation, but I wouldn't be upset by that pick. I'll say this though, man. The Giants last year, like when they played a lot of these zone rushing teams, which they did a lot better, they ran a lot of five man fronts. Right, like their base personnel, they would have the Sam. Yeah. It was it was Kayvon Thibodeau a lot during the end of the season. It's Jihad Ward a little bit during the beginning of the season. Like I think Adabare at 285 pounds could even play that role. Even though you could put him inside at five, you can put him at a three technique in certain fronts if you want to employ like an even front in specific situations. But I think finding another player at edge who can play edge and who can rotate in that five man front is one of the dark horses for the Giants at pick 25. And I think some of those players that fit that would be Adabare. I'm wondering if Will McDonald can. He's not the most physical, but man, can he really get after the uh, quarterback when, when he pins his ears back? I know the Giants had him in for a top 30 visit. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about him. We did the, the Edge podcast with Nolan Smith and BJ Ojolari. Will McDonald is another one of those guys where it's like, oh, wow, they picked Will McDonald. And then like you got to be like, well, let's think about it for a little bit. And then when you start to think about it, when you start to think about what do you need to do to stop Offense is passing the football. Every offense is passing the football. You need to get after the passer. Aziz can get after the passer. Dex, Lenny, they can all get after Kayvon. Adding Will McDonald will significantly help you with that. And you can project the fact that if this guy was in a defense that wasn't using him as a four technique basically all the time, he would have been a much more productive player. That's one of my dark horses too, but that's not, I don't think, an ideal situation either. I'm there with uh, just improving the secondary, which is something that you and I have been talking about for months now. Yeah, and I that's still the ideal thing, I think, from the need standpoint, Nick. But 
like you said, I'm more a lot more open to upgrading edge than I am interior defensive line at this point. So somebody like Adabari who might be able to kick out and play some edge snaps for you, I'm happy with. Miles Murphy is a player who, if he falls to the Giants, I'd be yeah. more than happy taking the bet on. And Will McDonald's an interesting one because while I'd rather a Miles Murphy type because I want to still have that physicality to set the edge and just not feel like I'm when I have Ojolari and my and uh, like a Will McDonald on the field, I'm really just hurting myself in the run game to an extent. Yeah. I am interested by McDonald because. You know, a lot of people I listen to really like his game and I watch him and I'm like, I get it. He has probably, in my opinion, more upside as a pass rusher than a lot of players in this class. Like, honestly, dude, like if you told me and I haven't really, you know, I'll, I'm interested to get your kit, your, your, your opinion on this. Cause I haven't really studied the two players I'm going to mention in depth, but I've seen a good amount of all these players. If you told me that Will McDonald has the highest upside as a pass rusher in this class just a pure snap by snap obvious passing down third and long can you get to the quarterback on your own no cleanup sacks just you're getting there i wouldn't hate it because will anderson i think probably has the highest upside i still love will anderson but a lot of people don't love him as a pass rusher as much as as, as i do so take out anderson for this discussion but tyree wilson dude Lucas Van Ness, um, Miles Murphy, even like Will McDonald could definitely have more pass rushing upside than any of those players. I don't think there's a player in this draft class who flattens at the top of the arc yeah. and has the type of bend like Will McDonald. Like BJ Ojolari doesn't have that type of bend. Nolan Smith doesn't have that type of natural bend. And I think those guys are both bendy in their own right to a certain degree. But Will McDonald can win with speed and explosiveness. We know that. We saw it at the Senior Bowl. You see it on his tape when he is aligned wide. And he tested like it, too. I mean, he had an 11-foot broad jump, 36-inch vert. His three-cone was a 6.85. If we're talking about the agilities, you see all that stuff pop up on his tape, Dan. But what I want in my edge rushers and what everybody should want in their edge rushers in terms of um, – rushing the passer is not only like the use of hands, the ability to employ the ability to set the offensive tackles up, which I think Will McDonald can improve on a little bit. I think he has the pass rushing moves. He has counters and he has shown that like spins and stuff like that, but you want a player who can win high side. You want a player who can win through the outside shoulder of a tackle and stress that tackle. Will McDonald can do that and he can get to that half man relationship. And then his ability to stick that freaking ankle, that outside ankle into the ground and then just keep his knees like, three inches off the ground while he is being contacted and swivel his hips into the pocket, orient them towards the quarterback, and then bend through that contact. Will McDonald has that, and that's vital. And Aziz Ojolari had that last year. Like I don't believe he had that in spades in college. Like You saw it here and there. But last season, there were plays against Chicago where I was like, dude, Ojolari's knee is like an inch away from the ground, and his shoulders are square, and he's orienting. He's bending through the con. It was such I – I was so amped up about it. I remember uh, going through the film watching Aziz Ojolari, and if we added Will McDonald, I think he could just provide another level of that. And so now you're just talking about tackles are going to need to be cognizant, Dan, of the fact that they can get beat to their high side. That's going to set up inside pass rushing moves, and that's going to at least put the precedent in the tackles' minds that they're going to have to really set outside, and that cause those oversets and stuff like that. So. I like it from that standpoint, but again, I don't think it's the ideal situation for the Giants. It's just somebody I think that they might have some interest in that we have not discussed. And with McDonald, it's like, do they think he would have the ability to drop in coverage? Because I think that would be super important because you could see, you could foresee just like a vicious passing down lineup with him, Ojolari, Thibodeau, 
Leonard and Dexter Lawrence. Like that's a five man front that looks unbelievable on paper on passing downs. Now you would hope that you could see a little bit more from him and Thibodeau and Ojolari, maybe even when they're dropping in coverage, because some of those guys would drop off the line of scrimmage. Obviously they wouldn't all be rushing the passer, but, and, and I believe we've even seen some weird stuff. We saw last season, the giants had one formation on a third down where they had three guys stacked up behind each other over the center. And like, you know, we, you could easily see Will McDonald or, or Thibodeau or any of these players, Ojolari, line up at like a traditional linebacker spot on these passing downs with those other four on the defensive line on the front with their hand in the dirt. And then these dudes blitz around a guard or blitz around the center and try to win that way. So I just think you add another elite pass, elite potential pass rusher, one who can do something that only Ojolari can really do on this roster when you talk about bending the edge. Like Thibodeau wins with get off, right? Thibodeau's not an edge bender, by, in my opinion. So I don't think Tyree Wilson is or or Lucas Van Ness either. Like that's why I don't like for Thibodeau, I'm like, okay, I saw the upside because of his insane get off Nick. It was the best in the class by far. I don't see insane get off with Tyree Wilson or Lucas Van Ness, dude. So I'm just like stunned that these guys are top 10 prospects. I guess with Wilson, the idea is like those hands could be so powerful and he's so long. Like maybe that will work in a Justin Tuck type of way. Fine. I can get on board with that. With Lucas Van Ness, I'm just like, this is a pure projection based on almost nothing. And he doesn't bend the edge. So like, I just, don't, these non-edge benders or the guys with elite get off, like it's like Aiden Hutchinson. I wasn't as huge a fan of because of the arm length. And I was wrong about him in to some degree, just in the sense of like, I still liked him a lot, Nick. And I know you loved him last class, but like I looked at it and I started to read into it and, and watch a little bit more of like why he was so successful in year one in Detroit. And most of it was just the get off. He times the snap really, really well, and he has an amazing get-off. So, but if you don't have get-off or edge bend, I don't really see your path as a pass rusher. Like, you're hoping to be the Justin Tuck or whatever, you know, or the – I don't know. So, it's, so it's just like for me, if I'm investing in pass rusher, I want to at least find a guy with a great get-off or great edge bend. I think you can make the argument that Lucas Van Ness has a really good get-off. He's very explosive into contact. He's just – he can't bend. Like, that's his – that's not his game. That he's also 275 pounds. He's more of that even front to end rather than yeah. the guy who was going to threaten high side. But do you really want to take that in the top 12 or whatever? And I would argue no. But you know, people are going to. I don't know if he's going to be that, you know, 10 sack a guy type of pass rusher, but people said that about JJ Watt when he was coming out of Wisconsin, to be honest, too. And I'm not making Watt, that. six six three hundred or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not making the comparisons between the two yep. players. But I can see why a team can at least talk themselves in the Van Ness just because he is young. He was a redshirt right. sophomore, and he is very explosive into contact, and he has very heavy hands. And honestly, he doesn't really know what the hell he's doing yet. So you can at least tell yourself, if we teach him how to leverage his traits, maybe he can become this. Yeah, it's possible. I just, I, I guess for me, it's just not the route I would like to go when, when investing yeah. heavy in pass rusher. Um, but with McDonald, circling back to there, he would be you know, the type of player who could offer that. And I think with Murphy... Maybe he doesn't offer that as well, but I just think there's something about Murphy that I like as far as just where the floor could be for the Giants with that type of guy on the roster who could really set the edge for them and, and win. And win. I, I think there is an ability for him to win on the high side if he refines his game a little bit more. There's still a lot of like room for growth there maybe uh, with Murphy, so he's definitely on my short list. And we've said this since January, essentially. It's like... Any type of edge will fit this defense. This isn't like, oh, well, they are based personnel is three fours. That means they're looking for 250 pound outside linebackers. No, we know Wink Martindale likes to put out 290 pound edge rushers. We know he had a bunch of 275 pound edge rushers, 260 pound edge rushers, 265 pound edge rushers throughout his time as a defensive coordinator in Baltimore. And I think Miles Murphy would fit into this defense well. 
Yeah, I'm with you. Any surprise picks you would you would like for the Giants or or not like for the Giants at 25? So we've kind of been going over surprise picks over the last couple of weeks now. I would still say double A battery would be one that I would like. I still I don't know if that's a surprise now. Will McDonald's one I think I would talk into. We just spent a lot of time discussing him. I don't I wouldn't be about like the Jameer Gibbs. Like I like Jameer Gibbs a lot, but I think I saw somebody tweet at us like, hey, what about this? It's like I don't want to invest a first round pick in a running back in a historically deep running back class when the giants have a ton of holes all over their roster. So I would not like the investment in the running back position. Although I do like the player. It's funny for me. Like I would be not, I wouldn't hate if they took Bijan Robinson, if they also then traded Saquon Barkley and got back like a three for Barkley uh, to use in this draft or next year two or something like that for Barkley. Okay, I don't know what the Christian McCaffrey trade was, but there was a decent amount of capital in there. It was like a couple twos and a three. Probably won't be able to get as much as you got for McCaffrey because McCaffrey can allow you to play positionless football. And just overall, that's a big thing. But, and also like that was one of the teams willing to do it. Like how many other teams are willing to even do this? Like no one's trying to assign. No one really showed much interest in him free agency, but if they can get a two or three for Barkley and then they took Bijan Robinson, that wouldn't kill me. But on the flip side, if they did a, the same thing but took Jameer Gibbs, that would kill me. So it's like funny <laughs> how, like, Bijan Robinson to me is like tried and true, one of the best prospects I've watched in years overall. Like, yeah, he's probably Jameer Gibbs, 190 pound back, would just kill me. I just, just absolutely kill me. Like, I'd be less mad if they exact Charbonnet than Jameer Gibbs. At least you can sell me on, all right, and I don't want them to take Charbonnet either, but like, at least you could sell me on, all right, Charbonnet might be a three down back for you at some point. Gibbs, I'm I'm t- I'm investing a, in a 190 pound running back in the top 25. Give him that extra nine pounds, Dan. Why he's 199? Yes, I feel like he's going to play a lot lighter than that, though. I feel like that's just juiced up for the combine type of thing to make yourself more presentable to NFL teams. I don't see it. it's like the same thing with Bryce Young, 200. I don't believe in that either. Like watching Jameer Gibbs, he is not a big running back at all. Like it's just right. not a pick I would ever even consider personally 190 running back i just rule them off my boards any sub 200 running backs nick in the top 25 i will never be interested in that player he could run a 4-2-1 and i'll never have interest in that player and i think it's a horrific investment to make but first surprise picks go that i would be more interested in or they're just that you know that i'm thinking about for me nick if the giants took michael mayer at 25 overall mm-hmm. i wouldn't be thrilled because they don't need a tight end and i get it and the, the history of drafting first round tight ends is not great but I am on a, I have a very different opinion of Michael Mayer than I think a lot of draft analysts do, though I have seen a lot of analysts. I shouldn't say a lot. Some analysts are with me that, you know, everyone's overthought. With, with the two most overthought players, I think, in this draft class, Nick, are Michael Mayer and Will Anderson. I think if you just look at the obvious thing here, which is when they first b- broke onto the scene at Alabama and Notre Dame, respectively, they dominated as super young athletes at programs where it's really hard to dominate at and, and get snaps in. Tight end at Notre Dame. No team has had more tight ends selected in the draft than Notre Dame since 2001, and it's nowhere close. They're lapping the field, lapping the field. And yet, as a freshman, he pushes Tommy Tremble down the depth chart, dominates as a freshman, and then throughout the next three years, obviously doesn't take, like, the, the problem with these things is, like, if you dominate as a freshman like Will Anderson, I think he had, like, 40 pressures, and and um, Michael Mayer did, 
Then if you don't like follow it up, Nick, with like and another a better year the next year and a better year the next year, people are like, I oh, know I don't want this prospect. He's like trending in the wrong direction. It's like, well, he set the bar so high. Like now you can't just improve every freaking year. This isn't capitalism in America. You're not just gonna be able to cut your profits in every single and make every single period a, a winning period. Like, you know, or cut, cut whoever you want from your end. Like these guys aren't gonna be able to produce at the same level every single year. Things happen. There's different circumstances. The schedule changes. You face different tackles, like just luck. Like, so just to me, I feel like these are the two most overthought prospects by far. Michael Mayer, to me, I people ask, like, what do you think his ceiling is? And I understand the, the drawback of investing in a non-super hyper-athletic tight end, considering athletic traits are the things that have won at that position, and obviously the history of bad first-round tight ends. But, but, like, what do you think his ceiling is? And I'm like, you know what I think his ceiling is? Jason freaking Witten. And that's yeah. a ceiling that I would freaking take any day. Like, already a great blocker. I don't think he's a great blocker for NFL standards, but Good blocker, great blocker for college standards with great effort as a blocker and the frame to potentially be a good blocker and already a great zone beater. I think I'm going to be a great zone. I just feel like this is Jason Witten all over again, potentially. And at 25 overall, I would take him because to me, he's like a top 10, top 15 prospect in this class. I wouldn't hate it because he's definitely a top 10, top 15 prospect in this class. He just plays the tight end position. This happens every year, Dan. Think about Derek Stingley and Kayvon Thibodeau at this time last year before the draft. It was, man, they might both fall out of the top 10. It was a couple of days before the draft when it started being like, I think the Texans are actually going to go with Derek Stingley. But before that, people were like, yeah, he might fall out of the top 15. Kayvon, like, oh, this guy doesn't hustle at all. He's going to fall out of the top 10. That was literally the conversation. And then they both got picked top five. So like we do this every year to these prospects who set such a high bar and then we just get so complacent with how good they are that we start nitpicking them for stupid reasons. It's happening to Michael Mayer. It's happening to Will Anderson, but I think it's really hard to do that to Will Anderson. People are just like, well, you know, his edge bend isn't elite. It's like, dude, the guy had like 40 tackles for a loss. The guy is freaking insane. Stop, okay? He can win around the edge with his hand usage. He can bend through contact. No, he's not Will McDonald in that area, but he's still perfectly fine, and he's going to be a high-floor edge rusher with still with the ceiling, too, overthinking it much. Michael Mayer, though, that is one pick that I've seen people, I think maybe Jordan Ronan mentioned something about it. It might not have been Ronan, but whoever did, <laughs> it's a dark horse pick for sure, and I understand why people would would not really love it all that much because the Giants just traded for Darren Waller, but man, you're right. This is somebody who... I think could be a giant for a very long time and be a focal point of their offense. I just hate what it would do to Daniel Bellinger. And I do yes. think with all the holes on this roster at key positions, it's a luxury pick. And so now you need to balance. Like, do you make that luxury pick? He might be a higher value than players at other positions that you could still get a lot of value from. So you really got to just weigh that project forward and then see like, okay, what's the long-term plan that we have with this guy? We are going to have his fifth year option. How long are we going to have Darren Waller? There's a lot of questions that surround that, but Daniel will be getting a good football player. Yeah, definitely not the top pick for me. Definitely not in my dream watch list or anything like that. Just yeah, a surprise pick that I would like more than others would. And I even think about it in the sense of like, I just, I, so like for me, for, for the, for that pick, for example, right? Like I don't want to go tight end here. Mayer would just be too good of a value, but I also wouldn't take Dalton Kincaid while I would take Mayer because I don't think the giants need a Dalton Kincaid type, even though I think their case can be made. Kincaid has a lot more upside than Mayer as a receiver at the NFL level. But if I'm going to take a tight end here, I want it to be the two way type of tight end. that could play as the Y that can be a good blocker for me and can be, and, and also a receiver. And some people are like, Oh, what about Darnell Washington? 
I don't know, man. I've listened to a lot of podcasts of people who actually like take a lot of time to break down the film on these guys from a blocking standpoint. And the people I listen to, I think shout out to Nate Tice who who talked about this. He they he feels he's a very overrated blocker right now, Darnell Washington. And I talked to Matt Waldman, who is a Georgia fan and watched a lot of tape. He also was not high on Washington as a blocker. So I think the whole idea of Darnell Washington as a blocker might be very overrated and overstated at this point based on his frame, his length, and what he could be as a blocker because they are not high on what they've seen so far as a blocker versus Mayer, who I think has had some does have some really good reps as a blocker and also you know, has a lot of people who have praised him as a blocker versus like not projection wise, not just based on frame, but based on what he's actually put out on film. So the only other tight end I would even consider at 25 for me is just a, is a, is just a fan favorite pick. I put him in my, my guys, it's Luke Musgrave, who I also wouldn't be disappointed the giants took, but I understand why a no fan's going to get on board with that for the giants that we're talking to B it's, it's a super luxury pick. C it's a super risk pick. It's a total boom bust type pick there. But we'll see what happens with that one because I think the the ceiling profile for him could be we look back at this draft class and everyone's like, how the hell did Luke Musgrave fall to, to 42 or to 38? Because right now he's, he's the best tight end in the NFL type of thing. I really think he has that kind of potential personally. Um, but, of course, that's all ceiling. The floor there, there's so much more floor baked into Luke Musgrave than like any other prospect you consider in round one for any team, right? Drops at the end at the collegiate level, tons of injuries, not a good blocker yet, though he has the frame to be a good blocker. So those are probably the two surprise picks that wouldn't kill me, but I understand why a lot of fans wouldn't be on board. Yeah, I'm dubious that the Giants would go tight end and just yeah. in general. They don't and want to go tight end. On the Darnell Washington thing, like I've watched Darnell Washington blocking. Like, look, tight ends don't just dominate people. Right. Like they're not dominating 265, 270 pound edge rushers, even at the collegiate level. Donald Washington wasn't a good blocking tight end in college, but that doesn't mean it was based purely off technique. He was much bigger and more physical than a lot of the was going up against, even at the SEC level. But that doesn't mean it's going to project and make him a good blocker right away, another offensive tackle. But there's a lot of prognostication here. Six foot six, 264 pounds with an eight, 98th percentile wingspan and 11 inch hands, 11 inch hands. That is freaking gigantic. Like this guy, he could just get in your way and he's going to be a good blocker by tight end standards. And I think that's why a lot of people are allured about him. It's just he wasn't really used as a receiver either because they have Brock Bowers, who everyone is saying is going to be like a top 10 pick as a tight end. So, you know, when the draft rolls around next year, everyone will be like, yeah, this guy's a second round pick. Yes. <laughs> Michael Mayer was a locked top 10 pick his first exactly. year at Notre Dame, yeah. doing it as like an 18 or 19 year old. And now he's, you can't even take him in round one, apparently. Like, I don't know. It's just interesting. But yeah, with Washington, at least from what I, I heard from Nate Tice, which was essentially in his evaluation, he was a much better blocker on the move. And that makes sense because it's like, yeah, like you said, these very the hardest thing to do for these tight ends. And I think it's one of the hardest things to do in the NFL is be a tight end and try to block defensive ends. I think it's arguably one of the toughest jobs in the NFL. Very George Kittle has mastered it. Rob Gronkowski had mastered it. But there's so few far like and then there's some blocking specialists. But like outside of those guys, like you don't find it a lot at the NFL level. That's why it gives you such an edge when you can luckily get those play when you can not luckily, but when you can locate those players. Exactly. And that's why Washington and May are both of those guys projecting them forward. You can at least tell yourself these guys are going to be wise. They they will be wise, but they can be above average and good wise and guys who can offer something as a blocker. I mean, Darnell Washington's 21 years old right now. He's still really young. And at that size with that athletic ability, I can understand why an NFL team will talk themselves into his blocking abilities. I want to ask you a question about the corners for a second, because I think if the Giants don't go with the Michael Mayer type or whatever, Bressy, like any of those like trench players that we think could be potentially the BPA at the time, 
and they do say, you know what, we really need corner. We want corner. We love Emmanuel Forbes, or we love DJ Turner, or we love Julius Brent, or we love Tyreek Stevenson, any of those four. And obviously in this scenario, all the big four are off the board. I, It's an interesting spot for me, Nick, because I feel like, and this, you correct, or you could just give me your thoughts on this. Corner to me feels like the highest bust position in the back end of round one. And some might, people might say wide receiver, and I think it's close, but not quite there. But when you take a corner and maybe some people just say, ah, tight end, right? Because there's a lot of busts at tight end in first round, but there's just not that many examples. I've seen so many, like the Vikings kept bat- kept borrowing through corners, the back end around one, the Dolphins. So many teams are taking all these corners around one. I just feel like it's such a position where it's like you could get the NFL level and yeah, your film in college was good. Your traits are good. Your athletic testing was good. But you just end up losing your confidence early on, and you just never you never make it in the NFL. To me, there's just such a high bust rate with the – and corner, I talked about tight end. The hardest actual job in the NFL, I think, is blocking from a tight end down to a defensive end. But I just think the hardest overall position to play is corner, honestly, because, again, like you're moving backwards the whole time. You're retreating. They're attacking you. They're dictating to you. So I just do get concerned like with the Forbes, Turner, Brents, or Stevenson pick at 25 because I am a little bit worried about taking a corner at 25 if it's not somebody I feel like can be a sure thing. And I do like the top four. I know you're less sure on Porter, and I understand that because he is stiff. But I just think there's a chance that he could just be killing these these corner, uh, these receivers on the line of scrimmage with the physicality and his length. Yeah. But once I get past those four, I, I wonder like how much do you factor in the idea that corner is just a position that we need. We definitely need, but it could eat like I could easily see them taking any of these corners, including Porter, by the way, or banks, really anyone, but Witherspoon and, and Gonzalez. And, and those guys just struggling mightily in year one versus like a mayor, a Kincaid or a Bressy, not maybe not a Bressy, but like a, at a bar, you're going to get some kind of level of production out of. I think this is a good conversation to have. So I'm glad that you broached it. One of the primary reasons Joe Shane selected Cordell Flott, which every draft Nick said was way too early, right? Mm -hmm. This guy was being mocked in like the sixth, seventh round of mock drafts. Giants select him in the top 90. One of the primary reasons why was what? A, projection forward, because he was only 20 years old, but B, it was his mentality, right? It was his movement skills. They said he was long, even though he didn't really test like it, but he played long. But it was his mentality. I think you need to get to know these kids. And I think these top 30 visits with a lot of these cornerbacks gave the Giants some answers about what Cam Smith, who they had in, Emmanuel Forbes, what these kids are actually like between the ears. I think you really need to have a ton of mental toughness to play cornerback in this league. All the rules are tailored to the offense. The offense knows what they're doing. You are playing a reactionary position as a cornerback. You need to react to what the offense is doing. You need to be able to anticipate. I think from a processing standpoint, Emmanuel Forbes is right there. I can't speak to uh, who the kid is, but everything I've seen on film suggests to me that he is a physically tough player, even though he's 166 pounds. He is a mentally tough player. So I think he would be able to hold up, but I'm not interviewing these kids. But in terms of just bust rate and why some of these players lack confidence, you're going to lose. You're going to lose early on. You're going to take your lumps like Kyrie Elam. Kyrie Elam took his lumps a little bit against Buffalo. Still very good cornerback who the Bills, I think, are very happy about. So, and he was selected around that part of the end of the first round last year. For me, man, that's the way I look at it is you need to find a mentally tough player who's going to be able to hear the boo birds and hear the fans and read the articles and, and ignore that and just focus on their craft, similar to what Evan Neal is doing right now. And I think that could be the same could be said about all those, those corners I mentioned there at Turner, Stevenson, even Brent's. There's all something in their profile that scares me a little bit. Um, 
but we'll see what happens there. And if the Giants do decide to go the route of, 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 you know, they believe these guys are just as highly ranked on their board as the four that we mentioned before, then that could easily be the case, right? Like we don't know if the Giants see it the same way the consensus sees it when it comes to Porter or Banks, even for that matter, versus all these other guys. Anything else first round that you wanted to get in or first day that you wanted to throw in there? I think this is good, man. I think we're, we're just ready to do it. And I'm yeah. just excited for it to happen finally. It Me always too. seems like it's like a year to the build up. Like the last three months, it just seems like it's a year with all the work we end up doing. <laughs> yeah. All right. We've already gone a little longer than I expected, but we'll wrap up here with some mock draft reviews. Let me just throw one more thing out there, though, before we do that, because I forgot to mention this earlier. One more sleeper pick at 25 that I wouldn't be devastated about and I think is intriguing is Drew Sanders at Arkansas. It's a good one. What do you yeah. think of that? That's a good one. I, I like that one a lot. I wouldn't be devastated by that. I think if there's a defense that he can really have a positive impact on in year one, it's more than likely Wink Martindale's because of his ability to also act as an edge rusher. So you just need to hope that he can take to the coaching to become the off-ball linebacker that you want, or you're just drafting him to be an edge rusher, which, again, I feel like his skill set in that department is, I would say, like second round, right? So yep. if you pick him at the back end of the first round where I have most of my second round grades, cause I don't have many first round grades. I think it's um, something that I could see happening. I don't think it's crazy. And I believe he had a top 30 visit with the giants as well. He did. And I won't think that was a crazy, I wouldn't think that's crazy pick at 25. He can do a lot for the defense in year one and talking about immediate impact players. I think he can be that drop in coverage or rush the passer from the edge. So it's one more guy to think about. Let's wrap up by trying to hit as many of these mock draft reviews as we can before we, get out of here. And I think the last one we, we did was D money. So D money 32. So let's see David Saud, no review there. All right. Let's see this one from shell shell Kosis. Shell Kosis says Brian Brassy, 25, Julius Brent's 57, Dan Henley, 89, John Gaines, 128 trades with the Browns for 161, 229 for 160 and 254. Tajay Spears, 161. Ajomu again, 172. Might be the most mock giant to us. Uh, Anthony Bradford, who I've heard some good things about lately. Offensive guard at LSU 209. Anthony Orgy. I don't know if that's how you pronounce that name, but it sounded weird. Um, <laughs> for me, it's, the, um, it's the gif or the gif from Big Mouth where Maury's just going like this. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Brownlee and then Jordan Howd Howden. I like this draft, man. Three picks to start. You're focusing on the defense. By getting Brezzy, look, I'm okay with the Brezzy pick right now. I wasn't even in love with it before the Giants signed Sean Robinson. I was okay with it then. Mm -hmm. But again, like we said, with a lot of these guys, a lot of projecting forward, but that's a big part of the draft, right? It's an inexact science. So you get him at 25, but I love getting Julius Brents at 57. And then I freaking love getting Diane Henley at 89. So the one, two, three, focusing on the defense there, I'm solid with John Gaines at 128. He might go around this range, even though you keep seeing him in like the seventh round of mock drafts, just because of his athletic profile and his tape isn't all that bad. There are just technical issues and some strength issues that need to get worked on. And then Taji Spears at 161. That's just silly. I'm fine with Ojomo. I heard Brandon Thorne speak very highly of Anthony Bradford. I have not watched him, but I respect Thorne's opinion. So if you get a player that has some developmental upside there who you can play at guard, you can't really argue with that. And then 
I don't have anything on Jordan Howden or Jason Brownlee, but I know Anthony uh, Orgy is a linebacker out of Vanderbilt, six foot one, two hundred thirty pounds, had a one five one ten yard split, thirty two inch arms, ten one fourth inch hands. So just from that standpoint, that are, those are respectable metrics and respectable numbers and measurements. And you get him in the seventh round to add to a group that has been historically bad for the New York Giants. Pair him with Diane Henley, and you might have some linebackers of the future, along with obviously Darian Beavers and Bobby Okereke. So overall, I'm going to give this a an A, I think. Just, a, just, a, just an A. Nice. That's a high grade for you. I don't know if you've given out too many A's. I'm going to go with an A B plus, a B plus. So Brussy at 25, not a pick. A pick after the Ajon Robinson sign. This was sent in before that, so I think it's fair to say that might have yeah. changed. But I still like the idea here of getting a potential top 10, 15 player, which I think he can be in this class overall if he hits his ceiling. But there is still a floor there that I should be factoring in as well. Brent's at 57. I like it. I don't love it. I like betting on that upside, but I feel like there might be corners I like more there, like DJ Turner, Tyreek Stevenson, something like that. Henley, obviously, A++++ for me at 89. And Gaines and Spears helped this out too. So maybe I was a little too harsh on it, but I'll go B plus here, Shell Cocos. Um, all right, let's do a one from Sufang99. Sufang99 goes i use the mock draft simulator and he moved from 57 for 61 103 148 103 for 104 161 and a 24 six round pick he got brian branch at 25 cedric tillman round two tajay spears round three sydney brown or uh actually i'm not sure who this is s brown linebacker or maybe no that's safety that's, safety. Yeah. that's sydney brown the safety yeah sydney brown Nick Herbig, Diaby, Voorhees, Clark, Eocor, um, Hampton, who you love, Bennett, Stenson Bennett, and uh, Payne Durham and Blackman. Oh, this would be an A+. Plus, and that's even with Tillman going in the second round, which I don't know if I absolutely love for the New York Giants, but I do like the player. But how the hell did he get? Sidney Brown, Nick Herbig, yeah. Yaya Diaby, Voorhees. That's a little, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what pick that was. He doesn't have it listed. But this is somebody with the torn ACL at up and down tape. But then Ekior, you come back and get him a little bit later on. Payne Durham. Blackman, I'm imagining, is the USC kid who um, I've seen good things on, have not done an evaluation on. But getting Brian Branch in the first round, you know what? I'll back off a little bit. I'm going to give this an A as well, but I, I do like this draft. I think there's just a lot of good depth that this guy got on day three. Yeah, A for me. Love love the branch pick. I told you it's one of my ideal picks. Branch, Banks, Porter is my is my goal for tomorrow or for Thursday night. Uh, Tillman, I'm with you. Don't love, but like Spears, I like even as early as round three. Brown would be a knockout there. Her big great value. Hampton, a guy Nick loves, so I'm going to like him as well. Have I like much. <laughs> What'd you say? I like him. I don't know if I love Hampton, but at this From point, the value, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Just, and I haven't watched him, so I don't know. Uh, Stenson Bennett is interesting to me. And we talked about Payne Durham. I like Stenson Bennett, I think has some, as a chance in the NFL to be a good backup quarterback. I kind of like, like him more than like what he's thought to be. Cause I think his deep ball is actually pretty solid. I think he processes pretty well. Like to me, Stenson Bennett is not on the same level as Max Duggan. Max Duggan to me, should go undrafted. Stenson Bennett to me actually has a shot at the NFL level. Um, we'll see if I'm right about that or wrong about that. Let's move on to the next one here. BMAT. He is using the PFN mock simulator. Deontay Banks, Jack Campbell, Mingo, Stromberg, Spears, Wooden, Herbig, Bush, 
easy in the safety at a Rutgers who they actually uh, brought in for a visit, either local or top 30. We don't know. It was reported as top 30. And then Nick Saldaveri, the guard out of the interior. Well, he might play interior, play tackle at Old Dominion, who a lot of people in the draft community really like. I've heard good things about him from, I think Thorny actually had some good things to say about him. Uh, Bush. I, I haven't seen Bush's tape. I've watched Cincinnati's defense, but I wasn't paying attention to him, but he's somebody who has good speed, solid size of five foot, 11, 187 pounds, shorter arms, sub 30 inch arms, which is a little bit problematic. The seventh round pick, you know, add to your cornerback room overall, man. I think this is a, uh, I really like this. Just getting banks is, is a home run. Campbell. I'm fine with the 57 Mingo Stromberg Spears wooden like Herbig. That's, that's like a checklist right there. I'm going to have yeah. to go with an A plus. Yeah. It's hard for me to not go a plus on this too, even though I don't love Mingo or Stromberg, but I guess at 128 and 89, I like them enough. So yeah, I'll go a plus on this one as well. Okay. Here's the next one. Uh, this was just a review. Thank you for that. Coop is the poop has one. He's mm. going to go. Oh, this is an interesting one. He traded. Isn't it 25- weird, man? How you could say Coop is the shit, and everyone knows what you're talking about. But Coop is the poop. Like I automatically went to a negative version of what Coop might be. You know what I mean? Like poop is not positive. Shit is positive. Does that make any yeah. sense? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. Uh, he called the shit poop. Is that from uh, what was that the line in Billy? Bill, do you know that? Is that the Billy Madison line? Look at him. He called the shit poop, or was it he called the something, something, something when he puts the bag of shit on the guy's, uh, he pranks and he puts the bag of shit on the guy's yeah, board? Yeah. He called yeah, I don't remember the exact quote, though. I think it was he called <laughs> shit poop, but I don't know. Um, so he trades 25 for Brandon Ayuk and a 2024 second round pick, which is wild. Just take that out. It would just be 25 for Ayuk. They're not going to get back a second round pick, but you did it. So we'll just give you that. We don't have to cover 24 draft right now. So that's fine. Oh, this is a wild trade uh, mock. I like this. So he had now, instead of the 25, we don't make a pick. We get Brandon Ayuk here. Yeah. Then he takes DJ Turner at 57 overall. But during the draft, the Giants are able to trade Saquon Barkley for Miami's first round pick next year, which I, I, I don't know how that's going to happen, but I'll take it. Now they have a first and second round pick next year from Miami and San Fran. In addition to Brandon Ayuk, DJ Turner, then goes Devin A. Chain at 89, running back. Diane Henley at 99. Luke Schoonmaker at 163. Jarrett Patterson at 165. DTR, the quarterback out of UCLA, 209. Chaka Hayward, linebacker Duke. Easy in the safety from Rutgers. And then Corey Darden. So we're going to include these trades. Let's pretend like that second round pick didn't happen, though. So we'll include these trades. You're going to have to sign Brandon Ayuk long term. You get rid of Saquon Barkley. You draft A-Chain to be your running back of the future. You get a next year's one, which is insane and freaking awesome. I'm going to go with a uh, – I think I'm going to go with an A overall here just off of uh, creativity and uh, the moves that he made and getting guys like Henley at 99. And and I like some of these later round guys like Shoemaker and even Jared Patterson to possibly be a center. So, yeah, I'm going to go with an A. I'm going to go A+. plus. <laughs> Look, if you could get Brandon Ayuk – a 2024 second round pick next year and a 2024 first round pick give us two firsts and two seconds next year. And all you lose is this year's 25th and Saquon Barkley. That's just already as a plus as it gets for me. And now I get DJ Turner, who I like at 57. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was just gonna say, I, I can't remember exactly what I was listening to, but I was listening to something where someone was like, Hey, if 
some team offered you a first round pick for Saquon. Would you take it? And then like the person I was listening to was like, oh, I don't know. Would we take it? And I was like, would you take it? Of course you would. Freaking take it. <laughs> Why would you not? You're, you're having contract issues with him right now. You're not locking him down long. You're talking about a running back with a injury history. You're getting first round value for it. And now you don't have to pay him and you can select a chain at 89 or whomever Tajay Spears. Like to me, that's a home run type of situation. I just don't know what team would give a first round pick for Saquon Barkley right now. Yeah. I don't know either, but with that said, it's got to be a plus for me. A chain 89 is interesting. We haven't talked a bunch about a chain. I'll say this about a chain. Obviously everyone likes him for just that elite speed that he's going to bring to the NFL level. I think out of all the running backs in this class, he brings it most um, besides maybe like Evacant, like some of those guys at the back end do, but they don't have everything else for the typical, like speedy only back dude. I actually liked watching his film and I feel like he did a lot of the running back things well as too, Nick, as far as processing goes, he was tougher than I expected between the tackles. Like I think a comp I saw for him that I love is Javad best. And if Javad best hadn't gotten all those concussions, he was breaking out as like one of the NFL's top backs before all those concussions, people forget he was starting to really break out. And then obviously the concussions, he had to retire, but I kind of like a chain a good amount. Um, so I'd be happy with that. Obviously Henley schoonmaker, Hayward, there's some really good picks in this draft as well, in addition to the trade. So this is an easy A plus for me. This this somehow happened, and we had two a first and second next year. In addition to collecting all this these players, like it's as good as it gets for me. Yeah, no, I can understand it. And 18 to 89, that's a high upside swing right there. You're getting somebody who's going to be able to create explosive plays for you. I liked Taji Spears a little bit better, but I can understand why someone would like Devon A chain, even though he's a little bit smaller. I also like Spears better as well, but A-Chain definitely a player on my radar as well. Um, okay, this one is from Uchi Money. Uchi Money. Uh, I kind of like that name. It reminds me of, uh, I don't know why, every time I see Uchi, I think of like Uchi Wally. You know that song by Nas? I don't even know if that's what it's called. Um, um, I think I know the chorus, but like I could be. Uchi Wally Wally. It's like, Not ar- arguably, Uchi Bam. it's like arguably known as like Nas's like worst song potentially. Um, okay. not, not only his worst song, Jay-Z actually featured that when he did the takeover. Do you know about the Jay-Z Nas battle? I don't know. Oh man. Back in like hip hop's heyday in the early two thousands, when I, when I, all the music was amazing, Nas and Jay-Z had a beef, like a massive beef. And it led to two hit songs, one from Nas called ether, one from Jay-Z called takeover. Fun fact and take on this, Nick. We're not going to go too much further on this. I used to, for the life of me, always think that Ether was by far and away the better diss song. But as I've listened to these over the years, more and more, I actually realized it was a terrible take. I think despite Ether having better energy, better beat, and like all like those types of things over takeover, if you actually listen to the lyrics and the actual disses made in the song, a lot of Nas's disses were just like superficial stuff, like calling Jay-Z gay and like that type of stuff. Oh, you're ugly, you're gay. But like you listen to Jay-Z's takeover and there's like serious disses about how like, dude, you haven't done anything since Illmatic that's actually good, really good, which I kind of disagree with Illmatic. I like a lot. Um, some people like the album for that. It was written, but whatever. And also like he had disses about how like, uh, you know, like the Uchi with that song, like your bodyguard bodied you. Because in part of Ether is like Nas is like Eminem murdered you on your own shit, which is the song um, Renegade, amazing rap song. I don't know if you heard Renegade. No. Okay, well, amazing rap song, and and some people, you know, Nas said that Eminem had a better verse than Jay Z, which I, it, it could be argued though both verses are great. But then there's like Uchi Wally Wally, which is Jay Z is dissing in Takeover, which legitimately is just a terrible rap song from Nas. And so I think over the years I've come around to Takeover over Ether. So let me know if you're listening and you like rap the way I do or the old school rap at least. If you agree or disagree with that take, all right. Here's his mock: Deontay Banks, twenty five. 
Then he traded 57 and 172 for 70, 100 and 141. Takes Luke Whipler at 70, Tank Dell at 89, and Chandler Zavala at 100. Anthony Johnson safety at 128. Kobe Turner, 141. Fioku, 160. Evan Hole, the running back at 209. Ventral Miller, the linebacker, 240. Jonah Tavai, 243. Grant DeBose at 254. Ah, Grant DeBose is joining Deontay Banks. He's one of the only receivers who beat Deontay Banks this year for a touchdown. And I think it was like week two or week three. So we're, we're bringing in the Charlotte wide yeah. receiver. I like this draft. You get Banks, so I'm always going to like that. Tank Dell's one of my guys, so I pick 89. I'm fine with that. The trade for 57 and 172 to get 70, 100, and 141. That's solid value, adding another kick at the can. You get Anthony Johnson and Kobe Turner with that and Fihoko. I think overall this is a, a B plus. I think this is a, a good draft right here. Yeah, it's B plus for me as well. Um, love Banks. Weighing it down a bit for me is Whipler. But I do really like Chandler Zavala and Tank Dell. So maybe I should make give this an A minus, especially with Kobe Turner as yeah, well. Kobe Turner at 141 could be an incredible value. And I like Evan a whole lot. I like a lot of running backs. So I'll give it an A minus, Uchi. He also says pot idea, because I know Dan will read this. I was thinking maybe you guys can offer premium content. Example, Patreon. This will give a chance for fans to interact directly with you guys and talk Giants. So, yes, we are definitely in the process of considering different ways to come up with uh, premium content. Uh, something Nick and I have discussed lately would have been a good thing to do before the draft, but there's just not enough time. Um, we are going to probably start to do like live Q and A's on our YouTube page where you can do like super chat. So you can get your questions asked that way. I think entertainer does it. So we've seen him do it. Patreon is another route, which we might go as well. And maybe give like premium film content behind the Patreon paywall type of thing. So there are ideas we're, we're tossing around, but I appreciate that. I appreciate your interest in that. And it's definitely something that could come soon for us potentially last one rios says and we down we now did by the way nick get to every single itunes review at least the ones that itunes has showed us so we promised yes. it and we're doing it here he is the final one pff mock draft simulator deontay banks 25 joe Titman 57 at perry 89 chandler zavala 128 dorian williams 172 ronnie hickman Actually, that was 160. Ronnie Hickman, 172. Fioku, 209. Jonah Tavai, 240. And then DTR. There's a lot of overlap, I feel like, in these mock drafts. Like a ton of Foku, Tavai, DTR. Uh, and then Troy Brown is the last pick. A lot of overlap. I got to say this, though, about the PFF mock draft simulator. I'm doing one right now for Big Blue View. And I did not have the opportunity of Deontay Banks, Joe Tippman, or, or any of this. Like, what the hell? I felt like I just got sniped. Like, they set it up on difficult mode, and I'm just going to get absolutely roasted like peanuts on the side of 7th Avenue in New York in the comments because of this. But, hey, it is what it is. I like this draft, man. Anytime, like I said, Banks, Tippman, I think that's a solid one-two. You improve both your offense and your defense. I love Dorian Williams. You're getting him at the, I think that's the start of the fifth round. A.T. Perry, look, I watched a little bit of A.T. Perry yesterday because we've been talking about him, and I didn't do an eval on him, Dan, and I know he tested well, but he just doesn't look sudden at all. At all. And maybe it's a part of the offense because a lot of the times, and this is something I think that might stick out to the Giants, is he did a really good job finding those soft spots in zone, reading the coverage, and then kind of uncovering, running back to the football. So like little wide receiver things also presented his hands 
uh, fairly well. I would also say it does make hands catches. It's not like he is a pure body catcher. And I also just saw him win a couple contested catches where I was like, holy crap. Like I have his notes right here. And uh, some of the, the games I watched Syracuse and North Carolina, like he was dominant against Syracuse. Like they just couldn't cover this guy. I think he had like three touchdowns in the game. So I understand the upside, but I just don't know what it was about him running routes where I was like, bro, this guy has like no suddenness and urgency in how he runs routes. At least that's what it looked like to me. So for that, just because I don't really buy into that at 89, I think I'm still going to give it a B plus though, just because you get your banks, Dorian Williams, Hickman, and some of the other guys that I like a little bit later on in the draft. Yeah, this one's going to be a B minus for me. Banks, A plus pick at 25. Titman at 57, more of the B, B minus, C plus range for me. Like, again, with Titman, I like the upside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, any set, like, uh, again, but we have to understand the grading scale. Like, B minus, C plus to me is average, right? So it's like average value pick. I feel like Titman and Schmitz are both average value picks at 57 for me at least. I know other people have different opinions of that. It's just how I see the center class. So A.T. Perry, to me, I'm with you. I don't see it at all. I know the production was there, especially in the red zone. I think he's a system, system-based production is, is definitely there at Wake Forest. And like you said, those non-sudden receivers, we have the same type when it comes to receiver, Nick. It feels like we have the same type that can you get in and out of your breaks at the top of your route is like my number one concern. Can you do that? I don't know if A.T. Perry can do that. If he can't do that, what is he running for you? Is he running deep overs? Is he running posts? Like, I just don't know, like, if you, what you can have him on the field for. You said, like, he'll find some soft spots in zone. All right. I can find a million receivers in this class who will find soft spots in zone. So, to me, that's not just, like, something I want to do. I like Saval a lot and that, and Dorian Williams to some extent. But, yeah, unfortunately for me, this one's not not, not my favorite. But, again, you got Banks at 25. So, can't complain too much about that. Can't complain about that. The thing is, though, too, that's like frustrating about AT Perry's. I know he is fast. So I'm like, what am I missing here? Because like there was one play against, I think it was North Carolina State, where like he's flying up the up the arc. So I think he's capable of being explosive. It's just not something I saw all that consistently. I just saw him moving slowly in and out of breaks. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? So I don't know. That's something I guess that would have to be sussed out when a coach works him out. Maybe. The coaching staff at Wake Forest was telling him to be a little bit more patient and tempo his routes with the quarterbacks, dropbacks. I'm not, I'm not really 100% certain. It's just observation, though, on tape. Yeah, hard to know. But thank you to everyone tuning in. Thank you to everyone who sent the mocks in during this process. That was fun. We enjoyed it. We got to all the ones that were on iTunes, at least updated as of today. Sorry if we missed yours if it comes in late. Keep it locked and loaded. This is our final show before the actual draft, and obviously we will be covering the draft for the Giants. So 48, 24 more hours, and we're, and we're there. Have a good rest of your week. We'll talk to you soon.